Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National And welcome to the back National to the Cover 3 Podcast on CBS Sports. That's CBS Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson. Podcast. Coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook Network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like. Come and join us in the chat. We have a very interactive episode here on a Thursday. We will be pulling some questions from the big old bag of mail where a lot of you have left great questions inside that five-star review. So you go give us a five-star review. In that review, you put your question. We will tackle it in a future mailbag episode. And as always, if you are in the chat, if you've already dropped questions, we're already starting to grab some of them, and we'll continue to answer as many as we can throughout the show. A little bit from the big old bag of mail, a little bit from the live audience, and of course, some news and headlines in a little bit. But the early bird question of the day comes from John Scott. John Scott asks, which team is more likely to win three more games than last year? Here are his options. Florida State, which would increase from 10 to 13 wins. Or Miami, which would increase from 5 to 8. This is the easiest question ever, right? Yeah, it, it's Miami by by like, I mean, Miami's probably three or four times more likely to do that. Florida State haters, Bud and Danny Cannell. <laughs> well, Miami's over under is seven and a half. Yeah. FSU's is 10. Like, if you value each half win at 70 cents, right? Like, I mean, to win 13, or we're basically, you wouldn't, I guess you could count a bowl game in that, but they're I like, mean, I'm, I'm going to run the table. Dra- 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 DraftKings has them at, at plus 750 to go undefeated. To, but to go 10 counts a bowl game. <clears throat> You know, like Florida State, like Florida State yeah. was a nine and three sure. team last yeah, year. Yeah, that's fair. If we're going to go with the regular season wins, so what do we think they are to to go eleven and one or better regular season? Probably like plus three fifty, three seventy five. Like I'd price that somewhere between like plus three hundred, plus four hundred, just off the top of my head. Do you think they can split against LSU and Clemson and then win every other game on their schedule? It's possible. They they could also uh, lose four State Clemson, beat Clemson in the AC title game, and win it, win whatever bowl game they go to, right? W- which would get you. Uh, to 12, 12 and yeah, one, so that, so that wouldn't get you there. Um, yeah, like my, Miami is probably five times more likely to hit eight wins than FSU is to hit 13 wins. Yes, okay, every everybody in agreement. I mean, Middle Tennessee is not on the schedule this year, so Ooh. I think they're safe for the most part. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you to John Scott. John Scott jumped in nearly an hour early before the show to get his question in. We appreciate that dedication all the way through. Uh, we will continue to get questions all throughout the chat. But I want to begin with a little bit of news as Bill Hancock has announced that he will be retiring. He has um, he's been an, an incredible, incredible ambassador of whatever postseason format the power brokers want. 
because he told us for years that the BCS system was great. You know, why, why are you yelling about a playoff? Until it was time for the college football playoff. And then he said the college football playoff with our four teams is great. Until it was time to expand the college football playoff. And now he will be retiring in 2025. Of course, that is significant. I'm not going to beat this drum anymore, but that is the conclusion of the current setup. That will be the two years of the 12-team playoff as it is formatted. So whenever we begin with the new era of the college football playoff, with the 2026 season, it will have a new executive director, a new face. What do we make of the ins and outs and the working machinations within the college football playoff? First of all, trust your instincts because, Bill, you were right when you were saying the BCS was good. You, I was, at the time... I was against it. I was one of the people crying for a playoff, and now I wish I could go back to the BCS. So I'm sorry for yelling at you during those years. Um, I, As far as what this means, does it really mean anything? <laughs> Bill Hancock did a very good job at doing his job, but I, I don't know, like, does Bill Hancock really have a say in the playoff expanding, or is he just doing the, the bidding, you know, of the Power Five conferences and the people in charge there, and he's just the public front-facing person doing it. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see who replaces him, but I don't know that anything will really change. We'll have our 12-team playoff, and then we'll expand that to 16, and then we'll go from there. He's essentially the White House spokesperson, right? Yeah. For the yeah. <laughs> college football playoff. So, yeah. much like any White House spokesperson in history, you have to spin things a certain way. And sometimes you're going to look foolish because you had to say certain things. And Chip alluded to all of them when he made the case for whatever system was there. I think in 20 years, we're going to look back. And I totally agree with, disagree with Tom. I think we'll look on this. What was this? A 12 year run when it was all said and done. And we'll say like, how stupid were we to try to determine a national champion that way? Like when yeah. we can actually get it played out on the field with a full playoff Granted, everything's going to look different, but when we look back on this era, is and this is not a slight to him because he's the nicest guy out there. Like he's, but is is Bill Han? Can you write the history of college football without Bill Hancock? I say you can. God, you know it's summer. We're we're about to launch into a Bill Hancock Hall of Fame debate. (laughs) I say you can. I say you can write it without him. Like I don't know if in twenty years we're going to be thinking of him as a significant player other than the guy who was the spokesman. I don't think he was a, you know, like Sankey, Slive, Delaney, like the conference commissioners, those guys were the true power players. And I think Bill Bill Hancock's more of a pawn, you know? 20 years from now, can we really call it the national championship when there'll only be 40 teams in two separate Super Leagues eligible to play for it? I mean... Do you think they were saying the same thing in the 70s when when, when D1 uh, broke off and then it created D1AA? I don't know, but they <laughs> no. didn't have a playoff then. They didn't have TV then. It was a completely different sport. They probably weren't saying anything. <laughs> that's that's fair. I, what if I'm glad you guys have some takes on this because I, I just I have no takes on Oh, this no, 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 no. Like, CFT, I, I'm no. really happy. Some of these guys. There is a power struggle right now to see who's going to take his place. There are athletic directors. There are it's deputies. Probably a great Kush job. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like this is amazing. This is oh, an opportunity goodness. for somebody to do some real ladder climbing right now. I've got a couple of athletic directors who are looking at all the stresses of the current like world that they're in and the enrollment cliff and the financial issues that all these athletic departments are like, man, 
if I could only get that CFP job. Oh man, if I could just get that CFP job in year one of a 12 year contract. Oh man. Yeah. Gary, no, I, Gary Bart is going to walk into the CFP chair. He's going to leave Iowa and walk into the CFP. Tom, somebody said in the uh, college football newsroom yesterday when the news broke, they're like, Jack Swarbrick just stepped down, right? Mm, very mm. interesting. Mm. I can see that. Mm. Yeah. I, but don't you feel like the person, I mean, I don't know how old is Swarbrick now? Because like he's he's retiring, retiring. It's like it's not like he's just you know going to pursue other opportunities. I think he's reached retirement. So I don't know. I feel like the person who takes this job could be a little younger. Yeah, Swarbrick is sixty nine. Nice. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, so he'll be in his seventies by the time this comes open. Are you gonna are they gonna really want a seventy year old? New person you don't think, to replace Hancock. Yes, that's you perfect. Don't think a seventy-year-old can do yeah. what Bill Hancock's been doing. No, this isn't like the presidency of the United football, States. Yeah. This is a much more difficult job. <laughs> like tradition, respect. They want a brand, you know, a name that they recognize that people look up to and say, "I trust that guy." Yeah, yeah. I think it's absolutely a Barta type or a Swarbrick type. Yeah. yeah. And you, ever, you ever played uh, golf with, with with Jack at one of these charity things? Like, I never have. I, I, I assume he plays a little bit. Like you know. Do little uh, little beer drinking on, on on you know some of these porches, these hotels, and wait for some votes, and you know talk about how uh, how great the playoff is. Like, in all seriousness, it's a, it's a cush job. Well, in all seriousness, what do you think Bill Hancock has done from nine to five? And I honestly don't know. Like, I know he travels a lot. He'll go to a lot of games. He's been in Bristol. He'll talk to some of the networks. He'll, you know. He's selling the college ball playoff. He goes to every media days. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes to every spring meetings. He gets Dude, probably sits on conference calls all day. Right. That's we, what I would guess. We should just get him on the show, like Bill. Like, all right, now, now that you're retired, can't take the pension away from you. What What was the day to day really like? You know, he would well, never wake know. up. He's not going to pull a Manfred and say, "I should have never done that." You know, go go get a nice, uh, probably a a walk steam sauna. You know, nice healthy breakfast, a parfait, maybe some fruit in there. Kenny said, "Could Brown do it? Mac Brown would be a great." Mac Brown. I mean, option. Drake Drake May's leaving after this year. Yeah, recruiting's I'll not do been it. doing very well. Like things are not trending up there for the long term. I'm with Tom, I'll do it. Let's I'll go. Do, <laughs> I'll do it, and I will tear it down from the inside. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> no way. Those checks. Those are those checks would be too. Yeah, I'll, I'll, too big. Of a big old smile toting the company line for whatever yep. they want to say. All right, let's go back to uh, those who are hanging out with us live. Alec asks, let's who get will right be, to it. <laughs> <laughs> who will be the worst Power Five team this year? Oh, um, there's like five contenders in my mind. Yeah. Um, Stanford, Northwestern, Virginia. West I think Virginia. you have you think they're gonna be that bad? I think they could be. Like if if things go south early and they get you know the coach gets fired and you kind like of record wise quarters too. of the year. I mean they played non interim. conference games and they got Pitt yeah. and and Penn State in the non con, right? Correct. So like I could see the Mountaineers having the worst record. I still think even if they finished like two and ten, I would take them over like a Stanford or a Northwestern. There's some chance Indiana or Rutgers could just totally bottom out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh that, like they're they're always in that range in Virginia. Well, Rutgers and Northwestern are playing like first week of the season, so that's going to yeah. be a great kind of elimination game for this question. Are we? Uh, are we? Um, 
confident enough in Colorado's transfers that they're not on this list? Yes. yes. I think so too. But like chemistry wise, it, yeah, I, I think they're going to be better than, than, than those teams. They I also are more think there's talented. more wiggle room in the Pac 12. Oh, and that would be good for Stanford too. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. In, in terms of like when Stanford has to play Cal, it is not the same daunting proposition that Northwestern or Rutgers is going to face in all the rest of its conference games, except when yeah. they play each other. So that's what we got. Northwestern, um, Rutgers, Virginia, Stanford. Who else was on that? Boston College? No, 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 no. Boston College I, would be okay. They I were... Think- they had 10 different starting offensive line combinations in the first 10 games of the year. Three starters went down in the first two weeks. One kid was a defensive lineman. They had to pull over in the middle of the season to, to try to play offense. Like it was sometimes I, like, you know, I think Boston college will be all right. We're I think one or two wins, right? I mean, that's when we say worst and like out, outside the top 100 and power ratings type thing. Yeah. You yeah know? Just getting smoked. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. I think those are probably your best candidates. I don't know. Like, I who do you think just, has the chance to prove us the most wrong? It's got to be Northwestern, right? Just because of their track record. Rutgers, if they if the defense stays as good as it was last year, and the offense has some kind of pulse, could play enough close games to make a bowl. Like, unlikely, obviously, but I mean, their win total four. It's not crazy to think. I mean, they, they do draw Northwestern, as Tom mentioned. They draw Iowa. Which is dip right? I think mm-hmm. Iowa. But the thing with like Northwestern is they definitely have that in the bag of just like pulling a ten-win season out of their ass just because they've done it. The problem for Northwestern is the last few years, as it's kind of fallen off the face of the earth, the rest of that division's gotten better. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like they would need everybody else in that division to get worse for them to find room to move up. Um, can I ask a question on, on the show? No. But right. yes, you have a microphone. That's just an what, advantage over everybody else. Uh, what is your favorite Northwestern Big Ten win over the last three non-COVID seasons? You have three options, but would, would you like to hear them? Yes, I would. All right. Uh, against Nebraska in Ireland after the Cornhuskers hit the casino a little bit too hard, allegedly. That was a fun uh, game. That, that, was that would fun. be it. 31-28. Uh, they also have the, the classic win over Rutgers at Ryan Field, 21-7. And they beat... At Illinois, twenty nine to ten to finish. Not that the, one. Twenty nineteen season. <laughs> not that. Although I didn't, I mean, I didn't know was, we were going to get a Tom Zinger in here, but it did bring on a coaching change, right? Uh, not in twenty nineteen. No, that happened in twenty twenty. Um, I would say the Nebraska one. That was just an actually entertaining game. For real, there were huge oh. swings in that game. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Did you see Jordan in the private chat? Like the fact that Vanderbilt is not in the five bottom P five teams we mentioned. As far Kansas as too. Yeah, Bar- Barton's got yeah. Like we're not we're not trying to be pandering. Like like that's times they are yeah. a change. Yeah, they, they beat the um, runners up in the Los Angeles Bowl last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's 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 getting steps. You know, lose big, lose small, win small, win big. The doors mm-hmm. are on it. Our doors. They won five games, man. They we had the same record as Texas A and M. Bruh, dude, they did. <laughs> coming up on the other side it's a it's an admitted wet blanket question from the big old bag of mail but it's one that we are unafraid to answer who won't live up to the hype in 2023 
That and more next. Back here on the Cover 3 Podcast, time to open up the big old bag of mail where you go and give us a five-star review, and in that review, you put a question, tackle it in a future mailbag episode. This question comes from Allie, and Allie asks, having seen some of Bud's summer schools and the preseason stuff starting, can we get a wet blanket episode or segment on some of the teams that won't live up to the hype? The Penn State and Texas's of the world need a cold shower. Penn State's quarterback is built like a 38-year-old Big Ben and can't hit an ocean. No one on the defense can tackle. Good players, parentheses, see Michigan game. And Franklin never wins the big game. Let the butts flow. First of all, great question. I mean, second of all, who who says we don't have female listeners? Look at that. Allie, Allie leading off the mailbag strong. Clearly not much of a Penn State fan. Jeez. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> is Drew Lahr really built like a 38-year-old Big Ben who can't hit an ocean? Because that is not the scouting report that I have received on Drew Alar. <laughs> I'm built like a 38-year-old Ben Roethlisberger who can't hit an ocean. I don't think Drew Alar is. I, have we discussed this guy that, that that actually thinks Tom is committing fraud with the Peloton reads? And he's like, there's no way Tom Fernelli rides a Peloton and like, t- like tags us all on Twitter. Like, like, like bro, he... He spans us with his ride with his ride results in the cover three <laughs> the, the, the group text all the time. Like, I'm pretty sure. Oh, by the way, I've got an answer. Do y'all have one locks and loaded? Sure. Not totally. I want to hear yours. Yeah. USC. I think that USC won't live up to the hype, and there's two reasons. And the first is just very simply, the Pac-12 did what the Pac-12 has always done, which is the worst possible thing for the Pac-12 because USC has its off week. On September 16th, after they return to play, they will play in eight consecutive games. And that includes a stretch that is at Notre Dame, Utah, at Cal, Washington, Oregon, UCLA, with absolutely no break. So all the toughest opponents on their schedule, I mean, they're going to start 6-0. and this is going to be a team that's going to start 6-0. and They're going to be really high because they're going to start high in the rankings. We're all going to be excited. Caleb Williams is going to be lighting it up. Taj Washington, Mario Williams, Brendan Rice. like They'll be putting up points, but then they're going to hit this stretch where any injuries, there's no time to get better. Again, Notre Dame, Utah, Washington, at Oregon, UCLA, all backloaded at the end of the season – and what do we always say, especially when it comes to like the college football playoffs, it is kind of when you lose. And so if they take two losses in that stretch, which is reasonable, they're going to be out of the playoff picture entirely, which will be, I think, not living up to the hype. They potentially, depending on who they lose to, could get bounced out of the Pac-12 title picture. And then the other part, I'm not 100% that the defense is fixed. I mean, the Texas A&M transfer, the Georgia transfer, the Arizona transfer, the Georgia State transfer, the Alabama transfer, another Arizona transfer. Like, yeah, it could all come together, but there's no promise that it's going to come together. So when I was looking at teams who aren't going to live up to the hype, they obviously have to have hype. And I just think the schedule and the defense will keep USC from being in the top five, top six at the very end of the season. I can see that. I will say the schedule thing, I can't remember exactly what it is, but I, th- I don't think it's the Pac-12 as much as it's something to do with USC's academic calendar and the Notre Dame rivalry. That's why they always have that bye week early. Um, I could see it. I don't know that I buy it because I feel like Caleb Williams is way too good, and they nearly got to the you know Pac-12 title last year 
with a horrible defense. So, uh, Jordan's off for the next month, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> throw it out there. Tennessee. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, you got muted. <laughs> oh, he muted Tom. <laughs> Are we all getting muted if we all agree? Is that what we're going with this one? All right, here's where I would what? defend Tennessee. I think their hype, like from the hype to reality ratio, I think USC is probably the best option because the hype around USC is they are a playoff national title contender. And I think there will be the biggest disparity. The hype around Tennessee, I think, is to what? To challenge for the second place in the SEC East? Yeah. I, mean, I don't think any, even a reason, even Jordan would not say they're taking down Georgia. I don't Jordan, think. Jordan says they're beating Georgia by three scores. That's what he <laughs> No, he said nine and three, and nine and three feels right. Right. So then I think that's a proper hype rating where I don't think the drop off would be that significant. I think it's probably a realistic place where they probably end up shaking out. I think with Tennessee, a lot of this does come down to quarterback with with Joe Milton. And there's one scenario in which he's just freaking awesome. And there's another scenario where, where, where he sucks. Right. And they, they, they play. They probably go to Nico pretty quickly and just realize that you know, they, they couldn't get it to work. There's a third scenario that I think is actually somewhat likely where he plays well enough to maintain the job and has really big games, but the variance in terms of his accuracy hitting these deep balls consistently leads to like a good number of blowout wins and then some frustrating games where they just don't hit the deep shots, the wide-open deep shots that they've schemed up and that they end up playing more close. You see what I'm saying? Like Hooker Spencer is Rattler. Like he's kind of, yeah, yeah. Like, like, okay, uh, like a guy that hits a lot of home runs and strikes out a lot. You know, like you over the course of 162 games, that's a really valuable guy to have. On a, like within a series, though, you, you may get a couple days where he's over four and a couple days where he pops two, three home runs. I, I think that's, that's possible. A lot of it comes down to how, how many games do you think are actually losable on Tennessee's schedule? I, Virginia in Nashville, obviously. Okay, certainly, yeah. I mean, they could lose that like four to nothing if UVA gets like two safeties. Uh, like in the swamp, you know, a lot of us want to write off Florida. I, I don't think that's a slam dunk win for them yet, although they may just be able to score enough points where Florida's offense can't operate. South Carolina at home in South Carolina. Now, who knows if there'll be a locker room altercation before this one for the Vols? Hopefully not. <laughs> South Carolina could go into Neyland, I guess, and, and take care of it. AM, if they bounce back at Bama, at Kentucky, certainly both. At Missouri, like, okay. I, I could see that Tennessee going like eight and four, seven and five, but I don't think it's likely. And what nine and three. Nine and three is probably their, their midline number. Yeah, right. What about Florida State? Whoa, hit that mute button. No, I'm just kidding. Mute. I actually, going after I, everybody. I look at him and I totally understand the skepticism. Like Brady Quinn was on uh, HQ. I don't know if you saw, I think Chris Hassel tweeted it to me and BMAC and uh, Noah, all the Florida State people that work at HQ. And, you know, he's like, all these guys are putting Florida State in the national championship game and the hype is they're never going to live up to the hype. And I'm like, wait a second. I don't think they're going to win the national championship. I think if things fall perfectly, they have a very outside chance, probably more realistically just to get to the playoff. But I'm kind of nervous too about Florida State because the expectations are way higher than they've been over the past six years. 
And I do think if you dive deeper into last season, it's very objective to look at the three losses came against the only three good teams they played. And even more concerning is the fact of how they played down the last two games of the season. They played down to Florida, which, all right, did they just play bad or were they closer in talent to Florida? And same thing with Oklahoma. Did they just play down to Oklahoma or were they closer in talent to Oklahoma? So I think it's perfectly valid to put Florida State as a team out there that there's concern they don't live up to the hype. Okay, so I, I think part of this is like, what? how are we defining the hype on them, right? right. Like Tennessee, the hype – you know, their, their win total is nine. Florida State's is 10, right? I, I think they can get 10 wins. I don't think they, I don't think they can win a national title. I, I, I think they're probably an underdog against most of the other teams that I would like project to make the playoff. I, I think like if like they don't top 10, like finishing 10. in the rankings, top 10 hype. Oh yeah. I, I think there's a reasonable chance for that because they do have a lot of depth at most of the important positions. You know, you could say quarterback, but I don't know what teams you really love the QB depth on Georgia, probably, although they're unproven. Georgia, Texas. I guess if you want to trust Devin Brown at Ohio State, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I, yeah, I think so. By the way, I saw saw Nico's little brother. He's at twenty five out there in Cali. Uh, He looked good. Ten million. Oh, right. <laughs> that's his at, number. At, at least um he, he was throwing touchdowns in the pajama pants thing though that, that's that's the thing uh but yeah like i mean they could lose those two games and then they have not shown yet that they're immune from losing games that they you know, on paper shouldn't lose right so yeah november 4th at pit is like perfect tricky game trap mm-hmm. you know they I mean, come out there you know rattle jordan travis just a little bit now all of a sudden you find yourself in a in a dog fight against Pat Narduzzi, a position that no one wants to be in. You know that that could really test because Florida State does not have the super super high end talent. You're right, Bud. They've got the depth, yeah. but we're really excited about propping up Johnny Wilson. You know we're really excited. Eight percent drop rate last year for Johnny Wilson. Like we're, we're really propping up Trey Benson. Very very good player, but like best best in the country at his position. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so, but I do think that there is some signal in their decision to to let uh, Treshawn Ward walk to Kansas State. I think like that they could have retained him if they wanted to and chose to bet on Rodney Hill being a fine backup, and they really think they, they think they've got something, Benson. I'll I'll say that. All right, internally, I got one. Let's let's really turn the heat up on these wet blankets. Talking top ten, screw that. Let's talk about a team with national title aspirations with Ooh. high end talent. Oh, Alabama. Alabama. Yeah, yeah. I, I had that on my list too. Because mm-hmm. the hype is you. Alabama could go nine and three. Yeah. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Nine and three. Mm-hmm. Yes. What they are could the have been eight and four last year with Bryce Young and Will Anderson. And they could lose to Texas. What kind of odds would you give me that Alabama goes nine and three or worse? Oh, they'd be very high. I just, it's, I'm saying it's, it's within the realm of possibilities. And I don't think there have been a whole lot of seasons in recent years where you would look at Alabama and think nine and three was actually even, you know, like a, like an outcome. Like it would be like 10 and two was worst case scenario. I think when you look at LSU, you look at Texas, you look at how Tennessee has been. And I know I mentioned them earlier, but just some of the games on the schedule and our questions about their quarterback position, like, like Danny said, they were almost eight and four last year, man. 
I'm so sorry, Alabama fans. You have to play Middle Tennessee. You're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and what if A&M steps up? What if Auburn stepped like, you know, Hugh Freeze? <laughs> what if he takes the Gus Malzahn plan? We're going to go 75. We're going to finish with a win over Alabama. What if I told you that under nine and a half right now in the alt lines, the alternate season win total is 320 plus 135. Oh, that means it's like more likely than your brain would think. Yeah, I That's wouldn't take it. I wouldn't take it at plus 135. No, I would not either. But I do think that if you model this, like the distributions of where seven and five, eight and four, wow, like the tail ends of Alabama's distribution this year are longer than normal. Like there mm-hmm. are more potential outcomes, I think, than normal due to a like if the entire state of Texas gets its act together finally, like if A and M and you know Texas play to their recruited talent level, that's a factor. LSU, if they take a next step, Tennessee, if they take another step, they have to go to Auburn, to Kentucky. Like those are games that Bama shouldn't lose if they play. Well, their home road splits are favorable. No doubt, no doubt. That's toughest that, games. That's a huge part. Toughest games are going to be in Tuscaloosa, except for. I mean, LSU's in Tuscaloosa, Texas is in Tuscaloosa, Tennessee's in Tuscaloosa. Toughest road game is probably Texas A&M. Then maybe after that, the Auburn-Kentucky games you just mentioned. It's just going to be a disappointment if they lose, if they don't win the West. And because LSU is so good, it is possible. That they you guys don't. read into Saban's comments, like the, 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 the his comments with Joe Klatt, the, the whining that he was doing mm-hmm. about how like they should have been in the playoff because they'd be favored over three of the four teams. And like, hey, you're, you're favored over LSU, you're favored over Tennessee, you you're a huge favorite against Texas A&M and, you know, almost lost that ball game. Does Nick Saban's complaining sound different than his old complaining? Yes. I do too. Sounds I think like a man who's this, worried. No doubt. And I think he's a man who's like, recognize how good we were last year <clears throat> because we're not the. Also, what happens if they go nine and three with Nick? On the hot seat. Yeah. <laughs> no, yes. No, come on. No, he's not on the hot seat, but. I mean, they're not going to fire him. It's kind of like Belichick and the Patriots, where they sit right now. Like, if the Patriots don't have a good season, they've missed the playoffs two out of three years, like, there'll be some fans that are like, is this time to hang it up? And I think you would see that would be the the – it's not a hot seat, fire him. It's uh, should he retire? That would be the pressure that comes on him. It's worse because of if Kirby three-peats too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Alabama – like, that's the – you know, similar. If if Ohio State doesn't win the Big Ten, but Penn State does, it's not going to have the same effect on Ryan Day than if Michigan does again. If yeah. there's like that sort of uh, pressure that I think is on there, but uh, I think Alabama's defense is going to be too good ultimately. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're going to go nine and three. I just think that it's very much a possibility compared to post seasons. Most oh, seasons, for wild. sure. The dynasty's done. Quote Danny Cannell, 2022. He, already, he put that on record. He did. I mean, Dan Wolken already already staked this claim like 12 years ago. So, uh, well, so did Joel Klatt. Remember he said it like, remember Klatt said it famously? So what did he have to do to get Saban back? And get him on his team? Like, people tell me that they would be favorable. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think Nick was pulling out like a, because he, he always says, well, what are we doing here? He doesn't even offer any fixes or explanations. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like it was a very productive conversation in terms of like what it means. What about um for the overhype? I'll just throw it out there. 
because it is a team that has fallen short the last two seasons as their rival has gone on to the playoff. What about Ohio State? Ohio State have- fallen short like 10-2 and two would be falling short because I think their fans think every year undefeated Big Ten champ going to the yeah. playoff. I I, th- I have more questions about Ohio State going into this season than I think I've had in a while. But I also, like, talent-wise and roster-wise, compared to the rest of the Big Ten, like, I look at their schedule. I, I did the Big Ten win total. I went through the entire schedule, and I've got Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State all finishing the regular season at 11-1 and one because I think the gap between them and everybody else in the league right now is just – pretty significant so they could go 10 and 2 and not win the league and miss the playoff and then as i said if they lose like i've been on the record many times if they lose to michigan again the hot seat on ryan day talk is going to start and it's going to start real quick but i don't think they i don't know i just don't i i think they can probably i think they're going 11 and 1 12 and 0 honestly i mean the the questions are at quarterback but they've got nfl receivers again and that's going to go a long way I think Tom's exactly right. As far as like the games that the games that we would not do like an emergency podcast for if they lost, right? At Notre Dame, Penn State, at Wisconsin, at Michigan. There's really eight games on the schedule that they should just beat the opponent Wax. by three scores. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Minnesota's maybe the high end of that range, but that's the home get final home game of the season. That ain't happening. Yeah, they're probably not going to lose to Minnesota on senior day, right? Yeah. Uh, Although, man, can you imagine PJ if they did? Oh boy! Uh, like Penn State has tough. Penn State has, or excuse me, Ohio State has tougher top end games than Alabama does this year, I think. Mm-hmm. But Alabama has more losable games because, like, the middle of their schedule is definitely harder. Yeah, I would put Alabama ahead of Ohio State in the who will not live up. But to Danny's original point, like Ohio State could finish third in the East this year. Like it's sure. not completely out of the possibility, which would be disaster. Well, one of the reasons I asked is I noticed how bullish you've been on Penn State. Yeah, I you know? do really like them this year. I'll probably look like an absolute idiot by the end of the season, though. but it won't be the first time. Um, one question uh, before we hit the break from the live audience. Max asks... Is Chandler Morris going to be a dark horse Heisman candidate, assuming health, of course? This tailgate tent again. What? No. 150 to 1? Uh, sure. Yeah. I, no, I almost put TCU on the won't live up to hype, but I don't even know where to put the. the I mean, Max Duggan level. was a Heisman finalist last year, but that's the thing. Like TCU, then, you know, Chandler Morris was the starter before he got hurt. So it's like TCU has to make another playoff run. If you think TCU can make another playoff run, then sure, Chandler Morris is a dark horse Heisman candidate. I do not think they're going to make another Heisman run, and because of that, people will compare Chandler Morris to Max Duggan, which will completely sink his Heisman candidacy quicker than the Titanic thing. Yeah. Oh, oh duh. <laughs> um, no matter win total, though. like seven and a half? Yeah. 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 So you got not just no Quentin Johnston, no Tay Barber, no Darius Davis, no Contre Miller, no Amari DiMarcado, like no the, Garrett Riley, no Garrett Riley. That it, it would be wild if Chandler Morris is one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the entire country, and that would be that would be a great reflection on Sonny Dykes, but it is not my expectation. We'll see. He did beat out Max Duggan for the job mm-hmm. the first time. So yeah. he's got a chance to prove it uh, this 
fall. Coming up on the other side, we will keep it in the Big 12 with a question about the Kansas State Wildcats. Plus, looking ahead to the 2024 Big Ten Conference schedule, would you rather have Michigan's draw or Penn State's? That and more next. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, this question comes from Shocker89. Shocker89 asks, I don't know what I've missed. I don't know that I've missed more than a few episodes in the three years that I've been listening to you guys. You guys are industry experts about what I love most, college football. Question, can a program like Kansas State make a run at a national championship in the new expanded playoff era? And if so, what is the likelihood that Kansas State will do so? Granted, this is coming from a Wildcat homer, but I believe this current coaching staff is loaded with hidden gems. Guys who are bought into Chris Kleiman and the culture and especially the future of the program, I feel like the staff and this program have proven they take this seriously and are trending up in every way. Are they an underappreciated program with the likelihood of winning a natty? Thanks, guys. Cheers. They could be TCU of last year. Thank you. Yeah. You know, they could get there. They could, I mean, shoot, they won the Big 12 last year, right? They can win their conference. They can be in the conversation. But to ask them to beat a Georgia, Ohio State, Bama, whoever, that, or to beat two teams like that, and then in the future to beat three or four, it's just, it's a lot to ask. It'd have to be something really special and probably a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I assume this is from a Kansas fan. Right, like, like I, I don't love questions that make me talk negatively about programs that I want to talk positively about. Like, I think Kansas State does a great job. Like, they're a developmental program. They're not in it for enough high-level athletes to win a national title. They're really nowhere close, right? I mean, they, they could double the number of high-level guys they sign and still not be close. So, like, I, that's why I think it's from a Kansas fan. I, they're not competing for a national title unless, I mean, I guess TCU technically was, but you know, none of us really thought they were going to win that game. None of us thought we'd, they'd beat Michigan, though, in fairness. I think we all picked Michigan in that one, um, unless I'm missing something. But so I, This is one wrinkle I wanted to add to the, question, to the equation because in the future of the college football playoff with an expanded bracket, we will have bracket luck. We will sure. have the potential that a team that would not be able to – that Kansas State, we would say like a Georgia or an Alabama or Ohio State, you know, put in whatever juggernaut team you want to put there for that season – but what if they get bounced? And then all of a sudden the path opens up and then you can find yourself with more favorable matchups against, who knows, maybe a fellow Big 12 team or maybe the ACC champion and you're not necessarily looking at yourself as a, a huge underdog. I mean, there is a reason, obviously, besides Dusty May being awesome and the Owls having a bunch of juice, but like FAU benefited from bracket luck to be able to make it all the way to the Final Four. And so I do think that you know, whether it is a Kansas State or, you know, some of these other programs that exist in that 20 to 40 kind of range, if you were just sort of stack overall college football programs, I do think that the catnip that the college football playoff wants you to believe in is the idea that when you get it, if you can just make it into the bracket, who knows, anything can happen. One bad game for a top team. Now, all of a sudden, there's a more likely path. No. I mean, what's bracket luck going to buy you in the college football playoff? A round? 
Like I, you, you can't rely on Georgia to lose like somewhere. Like it's, it might get you a better second round matchup if you get past your first round matchup, but it is not going to, you can't ride bracket luck to a national title in this format. And this is what I've been talking about with expansion to playoff the entire time. It's going to give more teams access to the playoff. It is going to give fewer teams a chance to win a national title. Fewer? Yeah. Really? Yes. Who, who's won a national title in the playoff era that would not win one in the expanded playoff era? Uh, there's been like four schools that have won national titles in the playoff era, but right. It's so it's like, not going to drop down yeah, from four and to it's like. It's going to be those same four schools, but there's yeah. Gonna so be it's like not. So three it's not times fewer. as many schools are going to be making the playoff, but it's going to be the same four or five programs winning the national title. So we're arguing as a percentage of playoff participants that that fewer yes. will, will win it, but like this, the, the number that can't of schools win a national title now will not be able to win a national title in the expanded playoff. They'll just be able to get to the playoff. That's yeah, but, it. But, which is a great. But thing. nobody. But nobody who has. Why? Nobody because has a chance to win, win a game, now. and they get. It's a great thing. Yeah. I got invited to the party. Cool. I, I yeah, but they actually have a legit chance to win it. They get their chance. TCU had a chance to win a national title. I loved it. Did I love the outcome? No. But maybe there's a team where you catch a team on an off night, you get that wild, crazy finish, and you get a massive upset, and it's great for college football. I mean, look, it's great for TV executives. Tennessee national titles, right? They have 1998 and 1967. So, like, Tennessee won its only national title since the integration of the sport, pretty much because Chris Winkie broke his neck, right? And they got to play, a, like, FSU was already locked in. And they got to play Marcus Outson, who you know threw a really bad pick six and just is not a you know national championship caliber quarterback. It's not totally crazy that you could have somebody have a bad injury still win the game, right? And you know and, and play them. But in that the was like, one game. Sure, but the number of they're going to have three that, quarterbacks break their neck the week before the game. I mean, the like, act, like no, but the actual number of teams that have a chance to make the playoff is not changing or to, to win the playoff is not changing. Correct. But the health of the sport is better, and the entertainment According value of the playoffs will be better. According You'll get a to better, who? Maybe TCU gets bounced earlier, <laughs> so the national title game is actually better because they do get exposed earlier than that. Like, define, it just, define the health of the sport. Explain to me how the sport gets healthier other than because athletic we departments don't, making more money. Well, because we've lied to people. We did not have a true playoff. It was not – so – We've talked about how many teams can actually win the national title. It's like 8 to 10 to 15 to Bud's blue chip ratio. The fact that teams can actually believe that list goes out 40, 50 deep of teams that actually think they can win. It becomes more like the NFL, which I think is a good thing from a postseason perspective, and I don't think it harms the regular season the way the uh, regular season is perceived because it's still a small percentage of 130 teams that get into a 12-team, 16-team field, whatever you think it's going to. Fans lie to themselves all the time. This allows more fans to lie to themselves and watch games deeper into the year, deeper into the year. Like it, we, we, we are, we are the health of the sport. It increases the interest in the sport and the belief Absolutely. in your it own makes program. November way better yeah. and more this entertaining. Is, this is why four was uniquely bad for how long? Right? For it how makes long? a New Year's Six Bowl better because it's part right. of a playoff. For how long? Yeah. That's what the fourteen playoff was going to do. And then after a few no, years, no, no, that, no, that, that, that's wrong. No, enough. the fourteen playoff did not do that. Like we we said it at the time, the fourteen playoff was a uniquely bad number. It was exclusionary. Not include, dude. You come on, not me, but. <laughs> this is my only point. Is this, and we're getting lost in the sauce here. 
we're going to want more. We're going to tell ourselves that this sport is going to be much better off. That's what we're doing right now here is the sport's going to be healthier with a 12-team playoff. Then after a few years of the 12-team, we're like, yeah, we need to go to 16. It's better for the sport. It's I do think we need to go to 16. When in reality, all we're doing is limiting the sport for more. It's like we're telling ourselves it's creating more parity. All it's going to do is eliminate more schools from the process. It's going to eliminate the G5 from the process. We are going to go to Super Leagues. We're just going to professionalize the sport. And maybe it'll be better for television ratings and maybe it'll be better for the salaries of coaches and for players and for television executives. But you are cannot at any point convince me that it is going to be better for the sport of college football to make it into the NFL. College football's health is dependent on not being the NFL because once it becomes the NFL, it's just a minor league football league like the USFL and the XFL. If that's what you want, congratulations. Totally. You know when the NFL... When did the NFL leapfrog college football? When it created the playoffs, right? That that's when it really, really took off. I don't know. I just want players and fans to be happy. What it it I don't is your argument go back to the playoff college football leapfrog the NFL? Because it won't. That ain't happening. I'll take that bet if you want. Yeah. No, what why why would I argue that? Yeah, well, I don't understand Sorry, what I, your point was. Why did the NFL leapfrog college football when it created the playoffs? No, that was television broadcasting NFL games and creating the Super Bowl. Like, is college there a single, play- catch up for is there a single playoff out there that people don't enjoy? Yeah, the MLS playoffs. I, I didn't this. know that was a thing. Okay, <laughs> but uh, uh, Miami got um, ties in those. My, 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 Miami got messy though, uh, and apparently he like he got a, he got an ownership stake. Uh, that's a huge deal, dude. That's pretty wild. All right. <laughs> NBA draft. This is from uh, Kenan in the chat. NBA draft tonight. Which college football player would be the most draftable? And I think we're assuming would be draftable at the, you know, as an NBA player. Johnny Wilson's probably the most athletic, and he doesn't have to. His drop rate doesn't matter. Can he shoot? I don't know if he Keon can shoot Coleman. Three. Got, actually got like got actual minutes on Michigan State's basketball team. Yeah, and is like a legit six foot four. I'm just trying to think of like an edge rusher kind of Julius Peppers kind of guy. Well, I, I think Bud came up with the slam dunk. Like, has anybody been like Randy Moss was a, you know, Mr. West Virginia coming out of high school? Andre Cooper, who I played with, was Mr. Ba- you know, of Florida. Is there anybody like that? I mean, Keon Coleman's probably the best example. Um, JTT, JTT from Ohio yeah. State. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Evan Stewart, Travis Hunter. Good suggestions. Mm hmm. Is Brock Osweiler still playing? He's like six eight. Remember, yeah, you can't just Brock be tall, play. you know. Yes, right. you can. If you, yeah, yes, you can, Chip. There are plenty of guys who have been in the NBA just for being tall. <laughs> <laughs> um, any others? Um, I. Is there like a goofy guy like the dude on Denver on any of these teams? Nicole, okay. I wonder. You know, dude, I wonder. That if guy's three- kind of fun to watch. <laughs> like. You know who I bet's Bud, pretty good? Bud watched three NBA games, and he was like, hey, guy, <laughs> you know, right I wonder there. if he's any good. Drake May, his brother, oh, played the national title game. Yeah. Like, I bet he's got some game. I I heard Chip got some game. Whoa, he, where did that come yeah. from? Uh, well, it, it came from Adam Smith of Inside Carolina. We, we did this did the summer school episode yesterday, and then he, <laughs> he, he said, said Chip, Chip can shoot it, and, and, and he's scrappy. Yeah. it's a, a glue guy who can knock down open threes is uh, – that's um, that is true. Uh, unfortunately, when we were playing those pickup games at Cameron, uh, I've lost a step since then. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing worse in pickup basketball than being the duck on defense while also not having handles. So yes, like 
at my pickup prime, scrappy defense, hustle, knock down an open three. But when I um, when I lost a step with the uh, agility and the, my side to side, it's can't Were dribble, you? can't can't defend. Now <laughs> now you're just like the ninth or tenth best player on the floor, and that's just not even an enjoyable experience. I'll get on a treadmill, listen to a podcast. Were you, you taking time. charges, Chip, in pickup games? <laughs> No, 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 no. Scrappy was like... Uh, that's When you say scrappy, that's immediately... Like you're saying side-to-side agility <laughs> and scrappy. I'm like, Chip was out here taking charges in pickup games. No, like jump a passing lane. You know, yeah. get your hands in there. You know, figure out how... Diving for loose balls. I mean, that's... And so you got recruited for yeah. basketball, right? <laughs> I thought you were baseball. Or basketball. I did, but I got... I got if somebody must have heard me say it here in the chat. I did get recruited by Duke. Uh Tommy Amaker was the assistant coach. I got a call from the principal's office. That's like where you went if there was a school called you. There weren't cell phones. And he like he was on hold. And I was like, hey, he was like, this is Tommy Amaker from uh, Duke Basketball. And, you know, just wanted to let you know you're on our radar. We'd love to have an opportunity to continue this relationship. We think you'd be a good fit for Duke. And I was like, I'm like trying to figure out. I'm like, wait a second. I'm like, did the football coach have you call? I'm like, I don't, and I went to I went to Duke basketball camp for one year. I went to Carolina basketball camp like five years in a row. So I was a Carolina fan, and I loved Carolina hoops. So I was like, oh man, I wish it was Carolina, but it was still awesome. And the best powder butter is I actually got a letter from Tommy Amaker like two months later that was like. Dear Danny, it's been great talking to you. Great getting to know you, but just wanted to let you know we've decided to go in another direction. And I was like, at what point did he realize, like, maybe this guy was on a list for a different sport potentially that got crossed over? I don't know what happened. Were, were you listed at like six six, six or something? No, I was okay. six five. I was I we you know and my daughter, she's a volleyball player, and I see it happen in you know volleyball now. These mm-hmm. girls lie about their age all the or their height all the time. I was going to go big. I couldn't go 6'6". Six, six. That would have been too much of a stretch. Because then you don't want the sheer disappointment when somebody mm-hmm. meets you. Like, it can be like, oh, he's not quite 6'5", but he's 6'4". That's still good. You don't want to be like, oh, this guy's not 6'6". Six, six. You know, You're you a fair 6'5", right? What's that? You're a fair 6'5". No, well, yeah, at the time, yeah. But I'm 6'4", yeah. in reality. Got it. Did, uh, yeah. did you guys have cell phones in high school? No. Yes. No, I did, I did not. I'm old. Yeah. All right, let's uh let's dive back in to the uh big old bag of mail for one last question here. Uh this question comes from H Liggs. It is hard to imagine that anyone will benefit more from the Big Ten schedule changes than Penn State. Since joining the Big Ten, they've beaten Michigan and Ohio State in the same season twice while losing to both in the same season eleven times. Well, he still lives off the 2016 win against Ohio State. It's Franklin's only win in that series. And while Penn State, for some strange reason, gets regularly ranked at the same level or even above Michigan, as does Franklin with Harbaugh, Franklin's record in that series isn't much better, parentheses, two and six, if you remove the COVID year, including losses by 39, 35, and 24. Penn State will likely find themselves in a Big Ten championship game with more regularity in the new scheduling model, but they're really just going to be the equivalent of the Big Ten West winner due to a much softer schedule than Michigan and Ohio State most years. Just take a look at 2024 for a preview. Would you rather have Michigan or Penn State's draw? And for those listening at home who don't have it pulled up, Michigan's draw in 2024. Michigan State, Maryland, Minnesota, UCLA, and Wisconsin at home. On the road, they have Ohio State, Illinois, Rutgers, and USC. 
UCLA, USC, Ohio State, Michigan State, and of course the juggernaut that is Illinois. Penn State at home, Michigan State, Nebraska, Northwestern, Ohio State, USC, on the road, Indiana, Purdue, Rutgers, and Wisconsin. The question, would you rather have Michigan or Penn State's 2024 Big Ten schedule? Penn State's. They get Ohio State and USC at home, whereas Michigan has to play them both on the road. Also, you know who else Michigan plays in 2024? Texas. So, <laughs> yeah, I'd rather have Penn State's 2024 schedule. Do you agree with sure. the assertion that basically by like splitting it up and going to the scheduling model that Penn mm-hmm. State has an opportunity to serve as that sort of, you know, annual Big Ten West type whoever's going to play Ohio State or Michigan role? Yeah. No. I, I, oh, go ahead. No, I, I think Penn State will be a team that benefits quite a bit from the move. Like, if you look at this, Penn State would have made, in their last seven full seasons, like not the COVID year, they would have made the, the college ball playoff in four or five of those last seven full seasons mm-hmm. if it was a 12-team playoff. I don't get what the expectations here are for Penn State. Nobody that I talk to thinks this should be like a top five or top eight program, right? Like he consistently has Penn State playing at what I think is their ceiling, basically. Now, maybe they have a redefined ceiling if the quarterback really hits. But I mean, to me, it seems like James Franklin maxes maxes Penn State out all the time. You know, like maybe he'll take the Bama job or something if 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 Nick hangs it up. I don't know. I don't disagree with that. I do think Penn State does benefit a lot from losing the divisions because, yeah, like I, I wrote one of my takeaways from the new format. It's, it's a huge break for Penn State as well as Maryland, a team that could maybe finally start making some noise in the Big Ten. Was, can you mm. look at its talent levels? But, I mean, I think Penn State, I wouldn't sit there and be like, this is a team that should be competing for national titles year in and year out. But I do think Penn State can win a national title in this new format. I do think they could have that kind of year where, like, you know, like you just said, if they level up at QB, they've been good enough on defense and at skill positions for years. It's been the quarterback that has kind of held them back. So I do think that in any year they catch a few breaks, they get into the playoff, they can win a national title. I don't look at them as like a developmental program. I look at them as a talent acquiring program who just happens to reside in a portion of the country where they're in a division with two other talent acquiring programs that probably have a higher ceiling than they do. If they were in the West, they would be favored to win the West every year. Every year. Regardless of who they have coming back, basically. Like, mm-hmm. like, yeah. So I, I for that part of the question, I think that they are a clear step above like a Wisconsin-Iowa level. If you put Iowa-Wisconsin in the East, there would be a good number of years they're losing four, five, six games, and they would miss some bowls occasionally. Right. And Penn State's not doing that. Right. Exactly. Like Penn State beats almost every single team that they should beat almost all the time. Except for the COVID year. Except for the COVID year. Yeah, which, hey, I mean, Northwestern was great in the COVID year. (laughs) The Big Ten and the Pac-12 in general, when they started their their seasons on November 4th, October 28th. Late. I don't remember. Tried to squeeze it in. Ohio State made the – and that's the problem is that Ohio State team was really good. It was like they played four games in the regular Mm -hmm. season. Wild. They were fresh legs for the playoff. To get beat by Devonta Smith. (laughs) He's still running fast. All right. We will be back on Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Come and hang out with us live at youtube.com slash cover three. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at BudElliot3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.